So meditation is a practice and uh, is also a process. Dhamma is a process of continuing to get to the point, to unfold, to meet what arises, to include it all. To get to the point, to pay attention, meet what arises and to include it all. I use a little phrase like that because then it, it maybe it helps to just sort of soften the boundaries between meditation retreat and other times. It's really, which is very important. Yeah. Particularly at this time, you know, we get to a point. Maybe we come to we've been through a process of some calming, some clarifying, some stilling, some inspiring, some consolidations, you know. And then we come to whatever it is, day eight, day nine, and you go, all right, okay, I guess that's it for the year. (laughs) 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 Let's do this again sometime, or I'll never do this again. (laughs) They're never going to drag me in here again. You're going to be aware of that. That's what arises. <laughs> okay, so you don't you don't catch on these these natural arisings. It's not to be negative about it, just to know that the things that naturally arise uh, you don't get caught on that. And so really, day day is not day eight or day nine or day one or day seven hundred and thirty-two. It's just now. This is what's arising. <laughs> And you can see, you know, what arises, the you know, the perception. Perception is the meaning, you know. Sanya, the meaning, <coughs> the label. <coughs> it's not a label even necessarily verbal or that can come up with it. It's, first of all, it's that kind of recognition, placing something. Oh, this is Saturday, this is Barre, this is... Because I'm here, then I will be there. Once you place something, when you place something in time and in space, then immediately comes the possibility there's another time, another place. And that's how the world begins. Because <laughs> there's another time, another place, then there's a moving to it, or a dreading of it, or worrying how to figure it out, or what should I do next, and there we go. Yeah. Oh, there's, I don't want to leave here. This has been really great. You know, I don't want to go back to there. Because there's another time, another place. You know, or I've got to a lovely place in myself or I feel really comfortable. I don't want to be that kind of busy, whirly person anymore. Uh-huh. Guess what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you hold on and hold on and hold on and then eventually, <laughs> you <you're laughs> 
in it again, as he were. So, <laughs> so be careful, or be watchful. Perception, you know, that's the, the first thing that we really, you know, you get a, a, uh, the mind's meaning, the mind's interpretation, and around that, the dimensions arise, the dimensions of space and time and localization, being here. Once we're here, we're not there. And therefore, what we can start to conceive of a here and conceive of a there, and then that's the thing starts moving. That's where the momentum of samsara starts going. And then that may be an excited one or a happy one or a dreaded one or a reluctant one, or whatever it is. But the sankaras, good, happy, unhappy, you know, and they go on. The samsara is not necessarily bad or dreadful. This just goes on, that's all. And so, what's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with it. It just goes on, that's all. (laughs) Uh, And as long as it goes on, then, you know, one is still in the arena of birth and death. You're still available to pain and praise and blame and bereavement and loss and winning and losing. You're still available. You're still in the you're still in the in the game. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not bad. You know, it's not necessarily all painful. Mm-hmm. And it's so so you know so you kind of try to come 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 part behind that before that because when we talk about um, the fruits or the path and the fruits and and um, you know, nibbana deathless the possibilities that the Buddha himself realized made real you know actualized then there is what's called the cessation samsara. Sangsara is not a place, it's an action. It's a continual, you might say, psychological or instinctive action. It's not an action we even choose to do consciously, you know, but it's an action, it's a doing. And uh, it's, it's such a profound doing that even when we deliberately don't do, still it does us. You know, all the kind of quietening, relaxing, and so forth can take you out of that adding to it and confabulating it. And yet still there's the residual arisings of meanings and sensations and consciousness and, you know, things that are forming and asking something or nagging at something or welling up. And the Buddha said, even this, at a certain place, when you get sensitive enough, you sense this is unsatisfying, it's restless, it's, it's ongoing, it's, it's, I've had enough of this. You know. But that, that, it's called nipita, it's a sense of had enough. Um, you know, and that doesn't necessarily arise, you know, that, that, that response necessarily arise. You know, so it, as we unfold, first of all, it's just to be able to get of, out of real self-hatred or doubt or regret as well. Whew, that's great, you know. 
I'm okay with just a few casual thoughts and, you know, that's okay. So, so the path, in a way, is furthering in that you get to a, you, some, you come to a place where you start to feel good in yourself. That's definitely, you know, you get a sense of immediate relief because you start to feel good in yourself. You, you have some self-respect. You know, you're not doing unskillful actions. And then as you progress or continue to develop or continue to unfold, there's a sense in which you don't um, push yourself and you don't beat yourself up and you don't um, put yourself down anymore. So that's a relief. And it's only through really recognizing those reliefs that you get the sense of, yeah, you know, I didn't even realize there was something here to be let go of. When you let go of a grosser thing, you come to subtler things. You come to subtler things and you begin to see the stress in that or the pushing in that or the wavering in that or the tedium of that. And there's a sense of meet this, include this, release this. And that's how it goes. The path itself has got a beautiful sacredness to it because it's unerring. As long as we keep those what are called the Four Noble Truths in mind, you know, the, uh, the unsatisfactory, the origin of it, the ceasing of it, and the path. And the Buddha used that as his primary teaching device. To, as something that would pertain to all conditions except Nibbana. As long as you, as long as you can place that that template on it, on your experience, then you know you, you, you're on a path. And as, when that template no longer pertains, then <laughs> you know it's finished. It's finished. So for a lot of the time, it's a matter of you know how we maintain motivation, isn't it? How do you main, ma- maintain motivation? Yeah, particularly over years and years of Dhamma practice. And you've been up, you've been down, you've been excited and rapturous and then that kind of wore off and you've been convinced and delighted and that sort of passed away. You've been inspired and you know, you've been through that and then you've been desperate and so forth. So it goes through all this stuff and you just keep acknowledging the sense of... Um, Wherever you sense you are, that's what you have to meet. Meet it. Leave with that. Recognize that there is a release from this. Even if it's not bad, you know, you begin to sense the limitation here. I'm still in the game. I'm still in the arena. Ready to, you know, get a few more shots if I'm not careful. Uh, there's a release. The release from this is possible. Sometimes we need to remember that the release is possible. And, uh, you know, one should keep one's aspiration primed for that. It's not a matter of, of kind of getting by or finding a convenient place to sort of lodge in <laughs> where it's not too bad. Although maybe times that's that's what one does because right now you know the motivation is no longer there. The motivation always arises around there is a further, is possible, 
and you see the point, a particular piece right now, that with a bit of attention and focus, meeting it skillfully, yeah, I could, I could, you know, I can see that particular piece and release that. So it's it's incremental. Sometimes you don't, one doesn't see it. We might find the, you know, the plateau situation when you've, you know, done the real four four wheel drive stuff, you know, and you've clambered and struggled through the mud, and uh, of your mind, and finally found a kind of smooth bit. So now what? What do I do now? Okay. Yeah, I guess this is it then. So, so first, that may seem sort of have a certain solidity to it because it manifests. And okay, I guess that's it then, right? And okay, so here we go. You know, and then you, that's then you to, to, to you know you, that's what one can experience. But then you, you keep the inquiry as to um, can you meet that? Sometimes it's more difficult to meet the plateau than it is to meet the mountain. It doesn't seem so so big, so intense, so heavy. So you think, oh, it's just... But then you've got to recognize, I always place that, that question, is this unconditioned freedom and happiness? And then, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's basically a bit bored, actually. Ah, that's got it. Now I know what it is. You know, so sometimes you just, re- you know, you have this possibility of considering, you know, reflecting on the Buddha. Is this where Buddhas live? In this, ah, well, I guess it's okay then. Yeah, you know, Monday, go to work, fine. Do you think Buddhas think like that? Probably not. <laughs> you know, it's just something there. So I begin to sense, hey, that's not, that's resignation. There's resignation, there's boredom in there. Oh, okay. Can we just sort of tease that out? Tease that out. Look at, you know. So once you can name something, that those perceptions that arise, sometimes subtle perceptions that arise, you can name them. So this, meet this. And, you know, how do we meet the, bore, the boring, the okay, the so what? So here we are, kind of feeling. Hmm? Just sometimes sensing your body energy, whether it feels bright or dull, whether the mind feels joyful, clear or not. And you begin to kind of sense within that perhaps some sadness or tiredness, resignation. Ah, there it is. How do we meet that? So there's an ongoing motivation to meet, to meet what arises, to, to know what arises, to sense what, because it is arisen, not because we're looking for something, we're questing for something, but just because it's, it's come, it's arisen. So it's a very, it's a path, and it's a very immediate path. Yeah. 
It's the sense of today's Saturday, tomorrow's Sunday, so what? That's, an ob- that's a meditation object. It's called ho-hum. Yeah? <laughs> and then what does that feel like? It's not wrong, it's not bad, it's not evil, it, it's, it's not, it's, there's, something, there's a residue there. And there's a sense of, you know, I am here, I will be there, who's that? So in a way these kind of points of inquiry can help to make clear, to define in a way, to bring into focus the subtler pieces that we need to meet, that sort of come like fine dust. You know, when defilements come like heavy mud or like raging monsters or like green bug-eyed tyrants, yeah, they're they're nasty, but at least you know know, what you're dealing with. But when it comes like a ghost in the night, like a dream, like cloud, like mist, like dew, you're sitting there thinking, I guess this is okay. Well, here we are. Life's not so bad. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that—that's—that's that's enough for now. You know? And yet, you should always bear in mind this too is samsara coming to a a lull. And uh, contemplate it. Bear it in mind. Well, we've talked quite a lot about doing and the doing energy and the willpower and, uh, you know, there's a time and a place for that and there's a time and a place where it it's actually gets, it's too crude, it gets in the way. You know? Sometimes you need willpower if you've got a big addiction to just really check it, block it, stop it, cut it off. No, no negotiation, just stop doing that. <laughs> When you get these addictive habits which have really caught you, drink and um, various things, you know. But uh, then the the doing, you know, that that kind of quality has its time and place and then it becomes too too crude, too clumsy to, to deal with the finer stuff, the subtler stuff. It doesn't exactly mean that there's no motivation uh, but you you can't operate through doing. It's much more, or what we ordinarily call as doing. But there still is the quality of intention. And interesting enough, in the you know in the way the Buddha used it, he said intention itself just is action. There's not intention leads to action, though that's also the case. But intention itself is already an action. It's a very subtle form of a rising up of a particular, you know, what we call motivation. So it's, it's, the, it's the turned on quality. We're tuned in, we're turned on. So this actually is the, you might say it's the action, what do you say, the action of chitta, or the action of the spirit. And um, this is where I find, um, because always language 
has its benefits, its nuances, and its pitfalls. But then bodhicitta, which is often used in Tibetan teachings, means it's basically that continual intention, inclination to meet what arises and release it. So it's associated in that particular um, spiritual presentation has to do with the bodhisattva resolve, which means the, you know, which we can argue about or whatever, but basically it's that inclination towards enlightenment or towards full awakening. So this is the, this is the we might say, the, the root motivation. And it's not always about, you know, what, doing things in the in ordinary sense. Sometimes it's about stepping back. But it always involves meeting what arises. You know, meeting it gently, meeting it spaciously, meeting with courage, meeting with faith, meeting it with love, meeting it with firmness. You know, but me- meeting what arises, not falling asleep in it. Not um, believing in it, not taking a stand upon it, as this is what I am, this is where I stand, this is this is where I am, this is what I could be, this is my true self, this is the result, this is the goal. You know, meet what arises, and then we open wide, soften, find that spaciousness in which that which arises is more clearly seen and there's a disengagement from supporting it. Doesn't mean we you know have to negate it, but just there's a there's a sense of one doesn't need to support this. This is what it means to be free from from dukkha in in a refined sense. It means you're not actually carrying any weight. You don't support formations. You don't not taking up arms against them, but you don't carry formations, perceptions, moods, states of mind as hey, this is the good bit, this is what I am, so forth. You know, once you've seen it, you need to explore it, hold it, sometimes for weeks, months, even years, particular pieces, because you haven't quite found the way to really meet it in perspective. You know? So this often deals with our very broad self-issues. You know, who I am, what I'm configured as. You know, my, sometimes it comes up in relationship or in a function or a role or even one's relationship with Buddhism. You know, I'm sort of 100% 90%, 40%, 20%, up and down, you know, in and out kind of thing <laughs> with it. And you can... Yeah, so then we say this is doubt, this is worry, this is agitation, this is searching for finality in something that can, is never final. No teaching, teaching is always path, it's always path, words are always path, actions are always path, what we're living with is always path. It's never going to give you the final, this is, this is ultimately it, you know. And if it does, watch out. 
because you know you're happy and then doesn't quite work, a bit bored with it, uncertain, some doubt, should I try something else? And this happens with jobs, people, religions, the whole thing, you know, because it, it can't do that. You know, as, as rightly said the other day, the, the, the Dharma teachings themselves are a raft. You know, doesn't mean you ignore them, it means, you know, you carry them to the point where you don't need to support that. It's taking you. That's, I think it's a very beautiful thing to say. And I think when you re- hear these things coming from the Buddha, it gives you immense, immense respect and confidence in this person that he's saying, all I'm presenting to you is something that's not final. You know, that, that's, that's, you know, you consider that. It's not saying, hey, this is it. You know, it's saying, all this is a raft. He also said in that same teaching, even more powerfully, this thumb was like a snake. <laughs> you grab it by the tail, it whip round and bite you. That's a pretty powerful thing to say about your own teachings, isn't it? Said so you've got to get it behind the head. You told it anywhere else in the body, the thing's going to flip round and bite you. And it will bite you with complacency. It will bite you with conceit. It will bite with egotism. It will bite with your feeling, I've got this, I am this, I've attained this, I don't need any more. It will bite you with the feeling, of, well, I could do this, I could do that, maybe this is another, you know. It will bite you. <laughs> you know? And so you, he says you've got to grab it right behind the head. And the right behind the head is, where are you now? You know, where am I now? Where am I resting now? Not to get agitated about that, just the sense. I woke up this morning, it's this, this strange dream that I'm a Buddhist monk at Barry, Massachusetts. Would you believe that, you know? <laughs> and I was teaching a retreat, and I miss. You know, I really believe that. <laughs> what do you know, you know? <laughs> Who's that? Um, um, passport number, name, okay. Who's that? <laughs> you know <laughs> come back come back you start to think you've done something you are something you're teaching something you've become something you're good at it you're not so good at it you could do better next time next year we'll teach another one here we go <laughs> you know what I mean not bad, is it? But it's just wake up, wake up. Meet what arises. So this, you know, use the word bodhicitta because it's a handy thing. The motivation, the inspiration, it was one of the questions we had the other night. Um, And I think... It's important to get that that feeling of interest and even joy in the practice. If it's not interesting, if we've lost that sort of freshness of joy, then the bell should start ringing. You know, like, wait a minute. Because if it's not, it's going to get staler and staler until you can't 
until one really can't be bothered anymore. You know. So the freshness is the joy of the Dhamma, which means we're always waking up to the, the present illusion I'm living in, where I form, where I become a here, where I'm localized, where I have a sense of a past and a future. Who's that? What's that? And you see these things are perceptions, meanings, atmospheres that are coming over the mind. There's potential formations, inclinations and energies pushing one way or another. There's feelings of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. There's perhaps agitations over can I make it, will I do it, what will I be, what was I, am I going up, am I going down, you know. And these are maybe kind of subtle, but they're, they're, cook, they're cooking away in the pot. And uh, somehow something is supporting all this. And what's supporting it all? The root assumption, I am. Much more than just the thought, but a root gathering of experience into a location. So that's the function, we say. That, uh, you might say, is one of the root functions of attention. Why you need to be deliberate about attention. Sometimes we use the expression, you know, pure awareness or even choiceless awareness, but I think one has to be quite cautious about the relativity of these terms. I'd say it's unconstricted, or it's not, it's not, it's morally pure, but the very fact or the very quality of that which we don't do don't consciously do, but which happens is that, is that gathering of attention, that already is an inclination. That already is something seeking to form, something seeking to know, something seeking to find some ground, something seeking to be. Uh, you know, so once that's landed, then, of course, we have an object and some, somebody who seems to be dealing with it, and then the whole thing starts from there, doesn't it? So, you know, so, so that uh, paying attention to this whole process. And the Buddha said there are three fundamental qualities or three fundamental actions that are barely actions in the conscious sense. They're reflex action. One is attention, something that happens all the time. You know, there's an attention, it forms an object. It forms sight, sound. It localizes it. That's that. It stays with it. It holds on to it. It brings it in. Yeah? That's attention. It brings it in. It's, you know, there's things that, one, that are missing in that. So it's a partialized thing. You can arrive at states of attention whereby you don't hear sound anymore chooses something else. If you're in jhana, for example, deep jhana, then the sense bases tend to shut down. And you're much more attuned to subtler energies and forms. There's been some choosing there. Something has happened. And yet, could you say you're sitting in rooms, no sound occurring? No, you're not hearing it, that's all. So attention has chosen something else. Normally, of course, we're in a state whereby attention is, is moored to the sense bases. Even sometimes, even with that, when you meditate, 
you can be sitting here, and something gives up attending to sound, and you know people can move around you don't hear it because you're absorbed in something else. Similarly, you're sitting in a less lofty state in a movie theater watching the movies, and wow, this is great, fantastic, look at that, and he's killing her, and this is doing going on, and you know, you're really gripped by that. Movie stop, and you realize, God, my butt's numb. <laughs> you know, you just didn't realize your leg was going numb because you. And then when, it, when that stops, suddenly you recognize that, hey, wow, really cramped. What happened? Attention shows something else, didn't it? So attention always has some choice, either deliberate or unconscious reflex attention. So it's like that. Contact means something is uh, rested upon, a sight, a sound, and it's registered. So that's the function of attention, brings up contact. With contact, there's a kind of trembling. Um, That is, one appreciates it or resists it or sort of is uncertain around it. And you can sense this sometimes you've been, you know, period of solitude on your own, particularly you come into a room and just see a bunch of people. You you can almost feel like something hits you. You you can actually sense the experience of contact. Nobody's doing anything. You're not doing anything, and yet something arises. That's contact. The other is intention, which is some, some inclination um, towards something either sensed externally or towards a mind state, inclination towards happiness, towards stability of the fundamental intentions. I would like to feel the pleasant rather than the unpleasant, the agreeable rather than disagreeable, the stable and constant rather than something that's wavering and fluctuating. You know? And ideally, I'd like to have it all like constant happiness. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't have to be gross, you know, I'm quite content with a little modest patch, but constant happiness. It's not egoic, it's just, you know, a snail would like that. (laughs) It's just what you you get with being sentient, you know. And that's that, you know, you can see all creatures are doing that, aren't they? in their own ways, the busyness of creatures, searching for secure where they won't get killed, food, nourishment, contentment, happiness, freedom from that. So, and we have that going for us on a physical level, a psychological level, um, relationship level, you know. And as we know, it, it doesn't quite work. So the Buddha said, even this, natural, normal, blameless, is unsatisfactory. So that inclination. But we still have these functions, because that's what you get with being incarnate. With getting born, I don't want to sound kind of finger-wagging about this. (laughs) Because being born is also the opportunity for bodhicitta, you know, for for turning that towards, you know, uh, towards liberation. That is, we attend, we pay attention carefully, deliberately. Could be light, could be wide, spacious, could be 
refine. It could obviously it needs to fluctuate because you can't just stay in one particular mode of attention all the time. But yeah, attend, be attentive to attention to where obviously you can sense grasping, clinging, or the unwholesome. The first we might say is the moral level, you know, ethical anger, malice, violence, greed, jealousy, spite, and so forth. Watch out for those. And watch out for the converse, the generous, the loving, the gracious, the patient. You know, Watch out for those. Pay attention in those. And then which is going to do you best? You know? Which is going to give you the, the, the more fortunate result? It's called bunya, merit. just means that. Pay attention and incline on that level. And so this is also a very fundamental mainstream of practice. You might say this is the main territory. Um, you, know, where you steer your attention and you steer your inclinations towards that which makes you good. And the good is always the wider. Yeah. Look at it that way. It's not necessarily you're getting, you know, merit points or stars for it. The good is the wide. It means it includes either more people or a broader aspect of yourself or it lasts longer. So sometimes, you know, our problem is that we, we go for short-term gains which are short-term. They don't got much depth in them. We go for the momentary highs on the long-term sense of, you know, this is a little bit, you know, it's not so zappy, but in the long run, you know, Living straight is going to be better than getting getting stoned. <laughs> Things like that, you know, the, uh, and uh, cultivating for the welfare of others is going to make me feel better than just looking after my own bit, you know, because it's wider and there's a sense of more happy space to live in. I just check check that out. Being patient, however frustrating that can be, is better than being impatient. It's not a value judgment, it's just a sense of really checking it out. Impatient, understand that, you're tight, flustered, agitated, angry, uh, fed up with people getting in my way, don't suppose to put up with a moment longer, it's my constitutional right to get what I want as soon as I can. Yeah, you know, how does that feel? Or does it feel, you know, you're just standing on the, the highway, your car's broken down, you know, the flat tire. Okay, you could jump up and down and get angry for a while. I could just say, okay, just be patient. Pick up trucks from here in two hours' time. So we just sit here and meditate, you know, which is going to feel better. So it's, it's things like that, the wider. And so you're just meeting what arises with most skillful kind of inclinations that occur. And the point of, of, of I would say, motivation is to also to, to start to seek out those places where you do sense, you know, something needs to be a bit lazy here or a bit kind of comp- dull here or a bit tight here or compulsive here and could I just put myself into that and really explore it yeah. this is the pilgrimage 
This is where our path is a sacred life, a holy life. One way of putting it, pilgrimage. You know, if you've been on pilgrimages, I've been on a few, they're frustrating, uncomfortable, and wasting time, and hanging around, waiting for things to happen, and getting, you know, and you just keep meeting what arises within that, saying, yeah, it's true, I can get bigger than this. You know, I can get around this. And the pilgrimage is, is one way of looking at your life. I remember this uh, last pilgrimage I went on was, well, a conscious pilgrimage. I knew it was a pilgrimage. There's <laughs> 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 also an un- unconscious one that wasn't so clear about. what you're born into. It's a, it's a pilgrimage in Tibet, so going to Mount Kailash, you know, which took quite a bit of doing, all the logistics of it. And then, uh, you know, dealing with altitude um, sickness and altitude uh, oxygen deprivation, so you're always tired and mind doesn't work. You know, and you can't think straight because that bit doesn't jump up. You know, it's a bit like memory loss or a hangover, you know. It's like living with a hangover all the time, you know. <laughs> Just a moment now. This is what's going to be like when I'm 90, you know. Like that. Uh, also, you can get a sense of apathy. I uh, can't be bothered. Because you just it's then you realize this is just a basic energy thing, you know? and so suddenly you know your mind states, which is supposed to be sacred and beautiful and lovely and Buddhist, becomes kind of sludgy and sleazy and confused and adult. And okay, but then we'll meet what arises. Don't be confused by the landscape. You know, as we've said before, you can have some beautiful lovely, brilliant, praiseworthy mind states, you know, meditation, a lot of the time it's not like that, is it? And pilgrimage is a great way to, to, to sense that, just to deliberately put yourself into a place where you're going to be tested. tested. So, you're going to, so you get that feeling of a bit confused, of dull, and uh, um, pointless, don't see the... Uh-huh. Let's meet this. What's happening here? The resistance to it. The irritation of it. The forming a self out of it. The sense of, why am I like this? I didn't come here to be like this. I want to be bright and happy and zestful and inspired. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Who's that? So you hear this kind of whimpering, whinging being. And then... The, the Tibetan system is quite lovely for its its poetry and saying, you know, I, I vow to save all beings. I want to save this little being, this whinging being, you know. <laughs> Pathetic, whinging, you know, ten-year-old. I don't want any more of this. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so much like me, you know. So, 
So much so you don't want to meet it because it's silly and it's embarrassing and you want to be somebody else. No, meet what arises. That's the, that's the, that's the practice. Uh, okay, so you get around that and you're making peace with that. It starts the, so this is where, you know, use the word uh, love, although it's obviously, you know, it can be very much abbreviated, but it is to me as a loving gesture of including this. doesn't mean I approve of it. doesn't mean I'm asking anything out of it. It's a, real, it's a very pure kind of love of just be with this. Be with this. Don't be averse to this. Don't lean on this. Don't get flustered with this. Don't panic with this. It's just like you, you see something that you thought was yourself and it's just like a sick child. A sick, grumpy, irritable, squalling child. <laughs> okay. pick, up, pick up your baby. No. It's an unfair child. Unfair, unjust, ungrateful child. If we all, you know. So the, the pilgrimage is of like that, you know. And this pilgrimage in Tibet, you go through some pretty devastating places because you see the results of the armed occupation and places blown to pieces and uh, hear these terrible stories. And so it's quite poignant and searing to hear this. And there's also lovely places. There's some lovely places. In it. One place I was at, we just stopped for eat something we didn't have much because you don't feel like eating very much just that a couple of sandwiches and a banana or something like that and sat down the whole village came down to meet us and these villagers just because we were visitors and as they when they they came down they kind of just whoa you know like heaps of rags these people and they're so delighted to see us and they saw monks you know and their eyes went like saucers you know and they're all clustering around. They, all they wanted was a blessing. You know, they just wanted a blessing. And it's so touching, you know, that somehow you could be seen in that way and just actually offer them all individually some kind of gesture or touch or word or chant just as a blessing. And, uh, you know, and then they went up and they brought all their babies down, you know, all their babies and their so we gave all our food, all food we had, which wasn't much, gave it all away. And the pilgrimage is like that, isn't it? Suddenly seeing also that you, you're bigger than you are as well, as well as smaller than you are. And yet, you know, uh-huh, change. <laughs> one day up, one day down. And the idea is you just keep moving on through these landscapes, the inspiration and the motivation is always that if you're here, there's going to be a there. If you're this, there's going to be a that. You know? And uh, there's an end to this faring on. Not because it's good, but just because something in us doesn't rest until that that is realized. And there's always some kind of sense of incompletion there. So 
the pilgrimage actually there's a lot of physical test just having to when you start to really run out of, of juice and you can't eat because it's too much effort to eat and you can't think because you can't get the energy to think anymore <laughs> so those are thought inclinations that start coming up and they can't quite crystallize so you go uh, is, oh, <laughs> well you know you try to have a group effort to think <laughs> you know six of you cluster around and you manage to put a few thoughts together about what to do very very it's not much to think about really just keep going uh, and then it comes like you don't know whether you can actually make it and all there is to do is just to take one step at a time and when you can't walk it's just to be able to take one breath at a time sometimes you can't actually walk anymore just it's gone yeah. and that I found that really uh, horrible <laughs> <laughs> And finally, kind of freeing the sense of, you know, nothing has to work. Finally, you know, that sense of wanting to make it, wanting to feel good, wanting to feel bright, wanting to feel purposeful, wanting to do profound reflections and meditations, just gone. You know, and just that here we are. There's a sense of being given um, the space, being given this place, and all these things can uh, be relinquished. What's left is, in a way, is it that gesture of relinquishment. You meet what arises. You finish your karma with it. As you finish your agitation and the jittering and the treasuring and the worrying and the, all that, then this is kind of what we do when we meet something. You meet something, first of all, you get some kind of response to it. And you just keep meeting it again and again and again. So all those responses have been completed. You know, you've done your, your agitation. You've done your conviction. You've done your disappointment. You've done your assessment and judgment. You've done your I am this, I'm not that. You've done the, you know, it's kind of, it's finished. And it's finished. <laughs> That's it, it's finished. And so as that's finished, then something else arises. And this is where you gradually, um, that's the pilgrimage. Community life, like living as a, as a monk in a community, is a similar kind of process. You go along and there's, you know, some t- communities in... Buddhist communities, monk, monastics generally are composed of people who don't want to be there. <laughs> Which makes for an interesting starting point. <laughs> That's a little bit unfair, but uh, there's often a sense of, I didn't come here to be with people, you know, instead of. <laughs> so, okay, so we've got to work with that one for a start. <laughs> Till so you've given up resisting, you know, duties and people and meetings and appointments and routines and 
listening to other people and having different viewpoints and he's right and she's wrong and this kind of thing. You know, you work, work with all that. And then the feeling, you know, that you want to make it work for everyone, which is another interesting proposition. Work, this is going to work for everyone. <laughs> so when you set that one up, you say, this isn't working for me. Okay, I'll try and make it work for you. This isn't working for me. Okay, I'll try and work for you. If it works for me, it can't work for, for him. Okay, so we try and find some compromise position to, to include everybody. And then, you know, this place is too compromising. I want a place a bit more edge to it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, why can't you be more definite about all this? You're too waffly and vague, you know? Okay, so, <laughs> you know? And so th- it's always that sense of meeting the... the uh, you know, the good intentions, the confusion intentions, the desperate intentions, the ideological positions, and until one's finished with that. It doesn't mean you've kicked it away, it's just it doesn't, it doesn't charge anymore, it doesn't get going anymore. You, know, you understand? It's not, it's not nihilism, it's just that the fire's gone out on that one. It's not because you wanted it to go out, it's just gone out. Do you understand? You know, it's like, did you have to give up your teddy bear? Yeah? When you were three, you know, you had a teddy bear and you really loved it. When you were 25, did, did you still do that? Are you still doing that? Or have you said, yeah, teddy bears are great. I'd give them to my kids, but no, it doesn't do anything for me anymore. You know? it just, it went out, didn't it? It went out. It's not an ideological position, or just it went out, you'd finished. That's kind of the way to look at that process of, you know, I finished with being bored and resigned and all that. I've been there, you know, but enough of that. Wake up. Wake up. So what's is that what's left in a way is that that bodhicitta, the mind that is ever willing to find where it's resting and meet that and unravel that. It takes sometimes these things to come into focus. You may be embedded in your sense of being a dutiful person. That's a good thing. Dutiful person, responsible person is a good thing. You know? You'll get that the week time when you you'll finish with that. You won't be it's not about being negative about it, but there'll be a time when the fire's gone out on that one. It just doesn't catch you anymore. You've seen the limitations of it. You've worked through it. And often, you know, why a practice path, the point is that you can't really have finished with it until you've begun it, until you've touched it. You've met it. That's the sense of the, the kind of humility of it. I know all these things on one level, but I've still got to do them <laughs> to actually have really got it, you know, and worked through it. I had it worked through me. Do you understand that? So there's a kind of interest 
built to be in this life. We're not kind of shrinking from it. There's an interest to be in it, because I want to see if there's anything left for me in this. There's still something there, a few sparks that can still catch fire. To be in this. What's it like to be with other people? Is there still something that flashes and sparks and resists and clings? Oh, that's interesting. Let's just meet that. And that place of meeting is, you know, held with attention. It's not a clumsy meeting. It's not a fumbled meeting. It's not a trance meeting. It's a clear meeting. You see, oh, this is still stirring me up. Hmm, where's that? What's happening? Who, who is sensed as being here now? What do I feel myself as being? What's the perception? Ah. What's supporting that? Wishing to be valuable, useful, important, approved of. You know? <laughs> tick, tick, check, check, check. You know, whatever it is. And these are not deliberate thoughts. And they're not, nothing to be ashamed of. It's just in realizing that those things are never going to be constant. They're never going to be free from stress. They're not an ultimate. Once you've really got that bit and you know there is a beyond this, there is, a, there is something beyond this. It's not like, you know, it's just negativity, but there is a beyondness which is open and free, then, you know, there's that sense of being able to release it. And, uh, you know, it's just like on that pilgrimage around Mount Kailash, you know, when the body starts to go and the thinking starts to go. Actually, this is really all right. There's something, something, nothing, you know. So, of course, the Buddha self couldn't describe Nibbana. So when we talk about it, ending, ending, this can sound negative. It can sound like what we really want to do is drop dead. (laughs) (laughs) Die out utterly. (laughs) And all life is just miserable and wretched. Mm, No, not exactly. But it's the ending of the fire. The fire goes out. Um, the localization goes out. The arisings of things. Things, certain things don't arise. And it's something you can witness for yourself. You may witness certain inclinations don't happen anymore or happen less often. That's the way it goes. That's how you know you're with it. Because maybe the you know, the self-aversion comes less and less. And it suddenly dawns on you when you hear somebody else, oh, right, that doesn't happen for me. I didn't notice it. Because you don't notice what doesn't happen. <laughs> Do you? You don't notice that you haven't hated anybody for, a, you know, whatever. Those are the bits that tell you, you know, that it's working. The, the bits that have gone out. And when they've gone out, it's not like life is somehow, you know, disappointing because I haven't got so much greed and hatred and delusion going on. (laughs) 
So he says it's only it's only the dukkha that disappears. But because we can't name the non dukkha, because that's another perception, that's another meaning, that's another localization, that's another bit to grasp. All we can really say is the dukkha ceases. That's all you can say. What you can experience is something else. But that's a mystery. Like path and fruit. It's not path and goal. More like path and fruit. Yeah? The difference. You know? Because it's not it's not so it's not so directed as evolved. Evolved through the process of growing up. Rather like a tree, you know. A tree produces a stem, trunk, branches, flowers, fruit. And uh, the the trunk is very different from the fruit. Yet no trunk, no branches, no fruit. So fruit requires the trunk. Fruit is nothing like a trunk. So you say, when you've been having trunks, tree trunks, and you've got feeble tree trunks and strong tree trunks and twisted tree trunks and moldy tree trunks and powerful tree trunks, you say, well, what kind of trunk is the fruit like? Well, is it strong? Well, I wouldn't say it. Can you build boats with it? Nope. Good fire? Nope. With it? Um, can you climb it? Nope. <laughs> can you carve your name on it? Nope. Uh, what's the point of that then? <laughs> or does it say, well, you know, fruits, wonderful trunks are a waste of time? Nope. <laughs> so why do you have a trunk when you need a fruit you know what we really want is the fruit why do we have this wooden thing that sticks up in the air and stiff and strong and has to keep being supported in order to have this fruit because that's the way it is <laughs> and yet you can't really value the fruit purely in terms of the features of the path except to sense it's alive it's 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 alive and uh, it's also a, a matter of just following that trunk as it comes up turns out to finer and finer subtler branches subtler branches, little flowers subtler and subtler twiglets it seems very fine and then the fruit arises and the main thing is not to just hang out halfway up the trunk <laughs> to keep keep that sense of arising uh, through inspiration and uh, intention, bodhicitta, intention to awaken, to realize, and to meet what arises, subtle, convincing, nagging, joyful. And then, uh, you know, include it all. And as we include it all, we also include the knowing of that and the process it goes through of arising and passing. And through that process, it grows 
the fruit of dispassion, relinquishment, nirvana. And some, some walking meditation. And um, there's an interview group at 10.15.